0: Welcome into to another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, back and sort of better than ever. I'm a little sick, as you can probably hear in my voice. Joined on the uh, phone, and the internet, the voice over IP by Rob Cassidy from Miami. Rob, how are you? i well, you know, just speaking to this microphone,
1: letting our magical mix program that I'm not sure how it works uh, dictate putting the audio together. It, it is. It's like magic to me. I feel like uh, your grandfather.
2: And then uh, Nick Kruger. Nick, how are you today? I'm doing okay. So what uh, what can you tell us about how much Italian you know now? Well, you know, I decided uh, not to
0: learn any and just be a, an American the whole time and speak English. Uh, so that was good. The only word I knew was uh, "Alora" from uh, Master of None fame, which you would know if you watched it, which people say that all the time. I could not believe how much uh, people say it. Very versatile word. So uh well, let's move into
1: what's important here, though. And we talked about this a little bit while you were gone. Is how many altercations or near altercations did you start or uh, get into uh, while overseas in
0: <laughs> Well, depends. Uh, I got a storylines update for the rants and recommendation season uh, part of the, the the episode because some people were not happy with the post bachelor party podcast that we did. So uh, we'll talk about that, but. You know, I, I may or may not have gotten to a verbal altercation with someone at the Vatican. So, uh, <laughs> how's, right. how's, that, how's that for a Walmart list item? <laughs> so, anyway, I got plenty. Italy, I'm coming for you. I got plenty of complaints for you later on in the show. So, uh, don't you worry about that. All right. We want to remind people, leave us a review on iTunes. We actually uh, had some uh, quality numbers. We had an uptick over the last couple of weeks, um, especially... The week before last, of course, probably because I was gone. <laughs> but, uh, I think it's because I had the. Uh, uh, I think the
1: Oklahoma listeners. Uh, I posted it over on the Oklahoma board. They really, they, like, they like the podcast over there, so I like to. Uh, I like to post it over there when we do it.
0: All right. So everybody, go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a review, tell a friend, subscribe, uh, etc. Let's jump right into it. I have to go to the dentist uh, as usual. Uh, so Rob. James, Com- James Cook, five-star running back, brother of uh, Dalvin Cook, uh, one, of you, one of the recruits that uh, you have a great relationship with, I would say. We've known him now, it seems like, for five or six years. <laughs> um, he decommitted from Florida State on the 4th of July, making lots of extra work for you. If you were an NBA reporter, you would have been whining on Twitter for hours and hours. Um, so tell me, what happened? What did, what did, this, what, did we expect this? Is he playing the game? What do you think? He,
1: you know, in James's defense, he's been trying to tell me this was coming, and I like just didn't believe him because I'm so used to everybody lying to me. Uh, I was like, yeah, right, I'll believe it when I see it. And then it happened, uh, and he kind of gave me an I told you so. I still think, I mean, maybe this is naive of me at this point. All right, so let's break this down a little bit this way. So he decommits from Florida State because... You have to assume, despite what he says, that, you know, the depth chart there is a little crowded like it is. You've got your Cam Akers. You've got all kinds of other guys coming back. They have got they took two five stars in last year's class. Uh, so whatever James says, you know, that's fine. But that has to be at least part of it. So this whole Georgia thing doesn't really smell right to me either, right? Because if you're going to leave Florida State where your brother has this legacy, why go to a place where the depth chart is equally crowded? I think that if he is going to go anywhere, I think he's got two three options really is sign with somebody that we're not considering at all. Resign with Florida State, which I still think is probably the slight favorite. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd put them, I'd put that at like uh, minus one hundred and fifty or something, and then sign with USC. I think is the other one. Uh, I think that they've really been courting him. I think that there are people close to USC that think they're going to get him. Uh, He will probably take an official visit out there. It'll be interesting to see if they can get him to go all the way across the country. He has friends out there. His high school teammate, Jamel Cook, is on the team at USC. Um, Pai Young, who he knows very well, plays at USC. So there's some precedents there from these South Florida kids going to USC, especially ones that are close with James Cook. Uh, So I think you'll see that in play. I think to some extent, he's a little bit shy about his brother's legacy. Like We can put it in the Michael Jordan context, right? If you're Michael Jordan's kid... Do you want to play basketball in North Carolina, even if you have the opportunity to? Uh, No matter what he does there, is he ever going to be Dalvin short of winning the Heisman Trophy? I think that's something that matters to him. And I, I don't know if you were sitting in on that conversation, but I kind of had that talk with him at the five star. He was saying, you know, that is something that plays into kind of his skepticism about whether he wants to go to FSU or not. I think, you know, like I said, smart money, I think he's going to end up back there before signing
0: day, but we may be one or two more twists and turns away from that happening. Yeah, it was interesting because he did talk about. I mean, he's been talking about Georgia. It seems like for a long time now. Um, if if I remember right, USC has he ever been to USC? Has he been out there? Like, I mean, because you know we hear USC mentioned a lot, but the guys they've gotten out of Florida in recent years have been guys like L. Cook. You mentioned three star type guys uh, who maybe didn't have the options to you know that some of the other guys had. So. Has he been out there? Is it is it realistic because of that? Or
2: is it realistic
1: after the official visit? I don't think he's been out there as things stand now, but I think he will take an official out there for sure.
2: Do we really feel like uh do we really feel like you know him going to Georgia is ruled out just because of uh depth chart considerations? Because I think if I'm Georgia right now, I point to the fact that you know, well, we saw we saw him lose out on Tenille Carter last year, right? Because Nick Chubb and uh, Sony Michelle decided to come back for next year. But I mean, if if Kirby, if I'm Kirby, smart, don't I say, hey, listen, I've got two guys. Uh, you know, one a former five star, Nick Chubb probably should have been, right, Woody? Uh, but we've got both these guys <laughs> in the same backfield getting carries. I mean, and, and, and was Zamir White uh, committing there? I, I don't know. You know, I don't know if he him and him and James Cook provide two kind of different sort of running backs. I mean, could they not? Could he not sell the fact that they both could be pretty successful in their own rights coming out of the same backfield there?
1: Yeah, I guess that depends on what you decide to believe the driving factor between, behind this decommitment is. If you decide to believe it's the Dalvin legacy thing, then no, George is right in it. If you decide to believe it's the depth chart thing, I mean, what's the difference between going to Florida State – with, you know, those two guys that are going to be in that backfield that are a year above you and then going somewhere with a five-star in your class, guys coming up behind you that they already have signed there, or not signed, committed there, uh, and then also a depth chart with guys on it. I I think that if that is the really what's driving this, and I'm not sure if it is or not, uh, then maybe Georgia's out. If not, if it is the Dalvin thing or some other hodgepodge of factors, then yeah, no, I don't think so, because he did like Georgia, and he did visit there. And, you know, he did show up to the five-star challenge in that Georgia sweatshirt, which I thought he was trolling a little bit, but um, no, um I guess it turns out maybe not. Maybe he will land at UGA, but what's stopping him then? Why not just flip over there? If he was so sure he wanted to go to Georgia, why not just decommit
0: and then the same day commit to Georgia? Yeah. So let's, let's do a little prediction time. I'm going to say he ends up at Florida State. I mean, that's <laughs> sorry, Georgia fans, but, uh, and USC fans. But I, you know, we've been we've been down
2: we've been through this rodeo before with some other players. I'm picking the Knowles. Uh, Nick, what do you think? I mean, if USC is a is a real contender, I'll go with USC because I feel like I feel like that the swag meter matches up with uh, James Cook at USC. There. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Uh, I'm
1: gonna go with a combination of both of you guys. I think he is going to commit to USC at
0: some point. I think he will then flip back to Florida State before signing day. <laughs> Okay, so Georgia left out in the cold, so uh, I'll be sure to tell him to uh, come after you, Rob Cassidy. So I want to kind of uh, pivot to Zamir White, the five-star running back who committed to Georgia. We mentioned that in the depth chart discussion about Cook. It's, it's interesting with him, a lot of people thought he was going to Clemson for a long time. North Carolina thought they very much had a shot with him. I mean, we haven't seen this kid at an event in I, probably three years Um, so he, you know, he's kind of a, well, it's amazing. He's
1: a five-star then because, you know, I'm told so often that if kids don't come to events that we go to, that we don't rank them high.
0: (laughs) I know. Right. That's the, uh, the standard, uh, reasoning given to by, uh, fan bases, but obviously, uh, officer Friedman views him as a special prospect. Uh, I've never seen, I, like I said, I think I saw him at the camp, like, Either it was either after his ninth grade year, it might have been after his eighth grade year, long ago in a far off place. So I might have been covering North Carolina at that time. It was so, so long ago. But this is a this is a big recruiting win for Georgia. There was a lot of concern uh, when Dell McGee was brought in as a running backs coach from Georgia Southern. Could he recruit? Could he maintain that pipeline? Because you know we had a couple articles on it. I think last week as well. Just how many five-star running backs George has been able to get, you know, dating back over the years, I uh, even to Isaiah Crowell, some guys who didn't pan out. But I mean, talented players, one after another, after another, Chubb and Michelle, obviously Todd Gurley and Keith Marshall. So and I, I can't remember who they ended up with last year, but that, that was part of the concern was, can McGee recruit at the high level? Getting... You know, getting a commitment from White, I don't think could be undersold. I think there's been some concern among Georgia fans and some uh, media types. They're ranked 60th in the team recruiting rankings, which is uh, very low. They only got three four stars uh, total, including a including a two star in your region. Uh, our boy Rashad Wild Goose Rob, I'm sure you've taken some heat over that. Absolutely. But do we think this starts the momentum for them now that they get a five star in the fold? Maybe. Uh, You know, things can really get going for them.
1: This is what started the Miami momentum, right? Is they got, you know, Lorenzo Lingard. Um, It's a little different for Georgia because they're not – their campus isn't in South Florida on top of a million good prospects. So I don't think you'll see it to that level. But, yeah, no, I think there's something to be said for getting this guy in the fold. And when you get a guy – not just a five-star, but a guy like White from out-of-state that kind of has this persona that other recruits know or at least know their name – uh, that can create some buzz, and especially for Georgia, who this isn't, it's not like they've been recruiting poorly and then they just got this guy and, you know, everything started from there. They've been kind of building a slow recruiting momentum. They had a great class last year. Uh, now this. And I think, yeah, I think you'll see this. As, well, you know, as always, it always goes without saying that if they tank and have a terrible season, then everything goes to crap on the recruiting front. But if they have anything resembling a good year, which I think they should, they have the pieces to, uh, then I think you'll see this momentum continue to build and build
0: yeah I don't think any of us expect him to have you know even if they go eight and four or something like that, I don't think it would affect the recruiting class. DeAndre Swift was the guy they got last year, so he was a top he was a borderline five star. I think there was some discussion on that. Uh, he famously committed in the rough rider style uh, the commitment video, which which uh, I was a big fan of. So that you mentioned that we shifting back to cook. They've got a, they've going to, they're gonna have Swift there, and they're gonna have Zamir White there. So if he comes in, he's gonna to have to compete regardless. I can't remember what USC's got running back-wise, but they always have, uh, you know, highly ranked players out there from the West Coast. So it's gonna be interesting to watch Cook. But big win for for Georgia. I think they deserve major props for for getting White, especially over Clemson, because it's interesting enough. Clemson's had a hard time uh, locking down some of these top running backs. Last year they lost Cordarian and Richardson uh, because of some academics. He ends up at UCF and somehow qualified. It's it's interesting how, and I never understood this even before I covered recruiting, how a school will tell you that a kid can't qualify, we can't get him in, and then he signs somewhere else and somehow gets in. It's it's interesting. I I still don't understand it. Uh, you know I don't want to signal out or single out Richardson or anybody like that. I'm just saying I've, it, it seems to be a a trend that's been going on for years where, and I know some schools have different academic standards, but it seems like if it's a public university uh, one place, I don't see how the kid can get in at another place. So,
1: Well, there's some like conference standards, right? Like so the SEC, if you're a junior college player uh, and you take an online math or English class, you can't play in the SEC. You can play in the Big 12 or the Pac-12 or the ACC, but there's an SEC rule that says they won't accept transfer credits from an online math or English. So maybe there's a series of those that
0: we're not aware of. Finally, the SEC, uh, the beacon of integrity when it comes to (laughs) academics. Um, Speaking of the SEC, uh, big development while I was gone. I'm not sure how much you guys were paying attention to the opening event out in uh, Oregon, uh, my homeland. Uh, But one of the biggest news items of the day, Greg Emerson, or the week, I should say. Greg Emerson, the Rivals 100 defensive lineman from Tennessee, he hurts his leg during one-on-ones. And, I mean, I I happened to open Twitter, and it was just a flood of – talking about how it was a gruesome injury and, you know, looked bad. And and I didn't see any video of it, but there was a lot of talk about how bad the injury was. then it turns out uh, that it was a dislocated ankle and I think like a fractured uh, leg, which uh, is an injury very close to to my family uh, and several other people in my life. They say he's going to be back in four to six weeks. I I can't imagine. I'm not a doctor. I know that's surprising, but I can't imagine he's going to – number one, why would he come back at all now that he's committed? Uh, But the next day, he comes on TV, and we'll touch on this a little bit later, and and does a surprise announcement for Tennessee. So this was a guy that, according to our Tennessee site, they knew he was committing uh, for – since – uh, earlier last month, um, which would be some nice information to share. Uh, so it's a huge win for them. They keep rolling in the state. I know this is more my topic than than your guys'. But, I mean, if we look back to last year, I know we talked about this earlier. I, I don't know. I mean, well, they've, they've essentially locked down the state of Tennessee when you look at the state rankings. Emerson uh, is the number two player in the state. They got the number one player in the state in Cade Mays, number four, number five, number six, and then uh, number eleven, number thirteen. So they're rolling, and I, they've missed on a few guys in state, sure, but that's 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 going to happen. But do we have the recipe now? If Tennessee can have a good season and and maybe build on this class and finish somewhere in the top ten, could we go from is it, it going to be a feaster family with Butch Jones? Is it going to be? They're in the discussion for the national championship, you know, a year from now, or is he going to be fired if they don't have a good year? Rob, I guess we'll start with you. What do you think? probably, this has become the Robin Woody Show again. It's like the old days of the podcast. You want
1: to chime in here first, Nick, or you want me to go? Uh, no, you can go. <laughs> nice hearing your voice, though, man. It's beautiful and booming and baritone. I don't think I don't think it's as extreme as we want to make it. Or I don't think it's either national title or fired here. Uh, I think. Butch can tread water for a while. you know. I think they'll be in the hunt again this year, whatever that means, uh, to win that division because it's not a very good division, right? It's Tennessee, Florida, and Georgia, and then the end. I don't even really think they need to win it to preserve his job. Uh, I think there's some momentum building in Tennessee, and there has been. It's time to win. Uh, Maybe they need to come within another eyelash of winning the division to keep him around, and then maybe you see his seat start to heat up. But I don't think there's anything short of missing a bowl game this year that's going to get him fired
0: right away, do we? Well, and the, I think the, having this recruiting class uh, really, really helps out a lot. It's it's one, of, it's one of those things where we've seen some of these schools in the past. I think we saw it at Miami a couple of years ago where they loaded up on recruits early because they were said – Yeah, they did it crappy though. They just loaded up on anybody that would commit to them so they would have 30 recruits so no matter who the, they were. Yeah, they'd be yeah. in the top five. This is a good class. The average star ranking three and a half, which is, which is pretty good. It puts them – Somewhere in the twenty, well, I think it's about fifteen to twenty range in terms of star average, which is a, a stat to look at sometimes. Of course, Utah's only got three commits, and they're at an average of three point six seven. So, I don't know. I'm I'm always curious. You know, the Tennessee fans. I know this might shock the two of you. Sometimes they can get a little bit restless. Uh, so, I think last year's expectations and having a senior quarterback. You know, I think a lot of people thought it was their division to lose, and they did lose it, which which really hurt. So their schedule's not that tough. I think they should have a good year, but if they don't, I don't know. If, I think if they go 8-4 and four or something like that, I still think Butch is going to be feeling the heat a little bit, especially uh, considering that he made a lot of staff changes this off season, And they're going to be breaking in a new quarterback, which— We all know is uh, not not easy at all, uh, especially considering uh, you know they're playing in the SEC and 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 they do have to play Alabama. I mean, they have to. Indiana State's going to be a real barn (laughs) burner. These games that these SEC teams play are really something, aren't they? Aren't they though? <laughs> nah, you no, I do.
1: I was nah, actually, I like, literally actually trying to let Nick talk here. <laughs> like well, Nick no, know. I thought I
2: thought I went, when I was looking at the rundown here, I thought we were going to end up talking about more about how he broke his leg at the camp and should and that was going to be like, oh, should he have gone? And then he commits right. a couple of days later, and should they take his commitment after he breaks his leg and all that stuff? Stat- this went in a completely different well, direction than I we were headed. They 100 should have taken his commitment because that's an injury that's happened. I mean, Aaron, I remember Aaron Murray
0: having that same injury in high school. Uh, And coming back in the same year, my question is, does this scare, you know, we can talk about that, Nick. Do you think this scares some kids away from going to camps when something like this happens?
2: No, but I think, you know, know, right right before we came onto this podcast, well, and I'm still in the middle of a very spirited uh, conversation on the Oklahoma State board about uh, the relevance of camps and what it means for player evaluations and things like that. And, you know, I think I think I think fans will take a look at something like this and, uh, you know, and kind of. Kind of be all the more uh, hesitant as to you know what the what the net gain is for kids to go to things like this, but you know truthfully you can't tell. I mean every single every single recruit that we cover wants to be at the opening, you know, and and there's nothing you can you there's nothing you can tell anybody that's going to dissuade them from wanting to be there even if you told them they were probably going to break their leg, they would still want to go. (laughs) So, so I don't, you know, I, I, with that, with that particular event, I don't know if there's a whole lot that can be done. You know, there's, there's so much involved with it with, uh, you know, with, with, you know, we saw what's his name? Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Show up and all the kids lost their minds. Of course, when, you know, when he was there making shaking hands and all that stuff. And it's a, it's a crazy opportunity for him, I guess, but, you know, I, I think I think as far as I think as far as Emerson specifically goes, and what you were talking about with uh, Tennessee finally locking up all the big recruits in the state, I mean, I I think they'd be crazy to start turning the heat up on Jones now, because what did Tennessee finish last year? Even though they they didn't they what with win totals, what did they have? They must have had like nine or ten wins, right? Or what did they have? Um, I think they won the the bowl game. Let's see yeah they lost four games so that would be 9 and 4 9 and 4 because i mean because right for them to for them to win 9 games last season you know and have and have and actually have some legitimate expectations going into the year last year um and then to turn around and and dominate recruiting in state which is something that has kind of been something that's sort of been elusive for him over the past couple of years with with butch jones i mean i think now's the wrong time to start talking about turning up the heat on butch unless he you know unless they collapse next year you know
1: i want to go back to something you said there isn't it great how you know these fans (laughs) why would a kid compete in a meaningless camp and just risk injury but if that same kid skips a meaningless bowl game for their team boy oh boy is that the (laughs) end of the world you know that's uh you know don't you dare skip the outback Bowl but the opening
0: why would you go to that you are just risking injury It's, it's really really something the way that they put on for that crap well not to mention as nick said the argument of you guys put too much emphasis on camps meanwhile i mean we go to college camps there there will be players at these satellite camps which you know the talent pool is not super deep and a kid will light it up and this will be a kid that the coaches have never seen before never heard of nothing and they'll offer him right there on the spot based on shorts and T-shirts, which is what the fans uh, are probably... Is that what they're complaining about to you, Nick, on Oklahoma State right now? No, I'm not going to get into well, that be right fair, now.
1: To fair, though, they only complain about that if the kid's not ranked high enough, right? Like, guys like... You go on the Miami board right now, and it's like, Mark Poop killed it at the opening. Why doesn't he a five-star? But if it's like... A kid that doesn't do very well at a camp. So the camps only matter when the kid that they want to be ranked tired does well. And if it's the other way around, camps are terrible and shouldn't be looked at. So we know how that is, though. Fans are going to fan. Uh, that's what makes them fans. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't mean I like them any more than <laughs> I do. <laughs>
0: oh, geez. Well, I love fans because they pay my salary. So big shout to them. Um, Yahoo pays my salary. I don't know about you. Uh my money comes directly
1: from my fan. <laughs> your, uh, your your yeah, your your paycheck is signed by uh
0: thirteen at VolQuest.com. dot <laughs> com. You know, you know, when my dog needs uh medical uh care, I usually go on the message board and ask for money uh from people. So <laughs> <laughs> I wonder who would. That's going to get you in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep reference. No one's going to catch that one. So, all right, moving on. Great job, Tennessee, getting Greg Emerson. I I do anticipate uh, Tennessee losing a couple commitments in the coming days, uh, but uh, you'll have to stay uh, tuned to my Twitter feed, as people say, for that type of news. All right, moving on. Um, I guess we need to talk about Miami, Rob. I'm uh, speaking of the Rob Cassidy show. John Campbell, A uh, is he a four-star? Yeah, he's right <laughs> on the line. I get him, him mixed, uh, confused with Ed Montelis for some reason. But anyway, he's from Orlando. He, I think we've been expecting him to commit for quite some time to Miami uh, based on how much he was being hyped up to us by uh, former Rivals employee Andrew Ivans when we were eating at uh, some restaurant back in February. What? Oh, no, he's 124 right now. That's high. That's a high ranking for him, Rob. It is high. I don't. It looks like the 124th player in the
1: country. The last time we saw him, um, I don't think that he's needs to be fallen out, you know, completely. But it is. It is a little bit high. I don't know if you and I'm sure Miami fans will really love this. You saw him at the five star, Woody. What, what did you think of
0: Don Campbell? <laughs> well, you know, it's there's a lot of let's uh, let's check the stock report, Rob, which was uh, published by you uh, 17 days ago, along with some other people. And I believe he was on stock steady. He was hot and cold as any prospect at the event, uh, which is becoming his calling card over the last year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, like he's never—he's one of these guys that you know looks like he should be and acts like he should be better than he is yet. Like, but he's also got a little outblades in him where if he ever does get it figured out, he's going to be very, very good.
0: Yeah, six foot five, two ninety comes from powerhouse uh, Doctor Phillips, which has one of my favorite chants in the crowd during games, uh, which gets stuck in my head. I won't say it uh, today, so I don't say it the rest of the day. But anyway, are they in a situation now? With we used, to, we always heard about you know the state of the U, and they they would want it to go up to Orlando where they locked a lot of these players down. It, it if you look at the map of their commitment list, and I mean it's pretty impressive. This. This increased focus on Florida—is it—is it a—is it, it the coaches that have a better relationship, or is it just that they're actually spending more time on Florida kids as opposed to you know the last coaching staff, which was trying to get guys out of Maryland and uh, other yeah, states like that? Yeah, I wrote something about this not too long ago. They this coaching staff when it came in
1: made not only I think they kind of smartly cut bait on that first class, right? And they immediately, because they came in behind the eight ball, they were never going to catch up. They immediately poured their resources into recruiting the class of 2018 in the state of Florida. Uh, they went after these kids. They've developed... I have coaches, high school coaches and trainers tell me that, you know, these guys, when they were hired uh, in the first month they were there, were in contact more frequently than the old. a lot of the members of the old staff. Uh, so this was always the plan. This isn't something they just fell into. As soon as they got hired, somebody in that office circled this class in this state as the time to really lock it down. And credit to them, uh, they've done it, and I think they did it the right way. You know, they got that centerpiece early. Uh, whatever they did to get Lingard, everybody knew him. And as soon as they saw five star come into Miami, which has not happened very very frequently in the last uh, you know five years or so. Uh, everybody kind of perked up. I've always said that kids in South Florida, all things considered, want to go to Miami. Miami just hasn't been very good at giving them a reason to actually do it. Uh, I think that this is where they want to be. And if they improve on the field, which they still have to, they're still going to have to not, they're breaking in a new quarterback. They have to not crap the bet as well, like we said about Tennessee, in order to hang on to this whole class. There are certain guys they won't lose no matter what. I don't think Lingard's going anywhere. Uh, but they have to maintain some semblance of this momentum, I think, this fall. And if they do that... Uh, it might get pretty interesting for the years to come around here.
0: Now, this O-line class, uh, Cleveland Reed, who's who's a four-star in the fold, committed, uh, Campbell, and then Delone Scafee, which I believe that's how you say it. He's a Miami kid. I think he, he was on stock up, right? I mean, we I've I've loved him from the first time I saw him. You've tried to ruin his life by making him a three-star. Um, no, no they, they told me I tried to ruin his life by making him, yeah, even though he was a four-star. Um <laughs> Are you yeah. gonna unruin
1: his will his life be unruined going forward or what where's the where's the line of life ruining? He's a four star right now, like and his life is ruined, as I was told by many Miami fans. Is I personally
0: line... <laughs> in the two fifty, I personally would put him ahead of Reed and Campbell. Myself. Well Reed for sure. Reed's Reed's coming back from
1: an injury, he's uh, to his knee. I don't know what really he is with that with that injury right now. He's at a different school now. Uh he may be going in the other direction. Uh, while Scayfe is going up, 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 and yeah, like you said, he's been great. Uh, you want to talk about somebody that really surprised me both at the the regional camp and then at the national camp? He, you know, Mike Farrell I'll tell you he's too short. That is, I guess, the only knock on him because he pretty much dominated that whole camp, didn't he? Well, I
2: don't yeah. think I don't I don't even think Mike Farrell uh, is that. I mean, he, we, me, and him watched the uh, you know the I guess the championship round of the Big Man Challenge at the at the Five Star uh, Challenge together and. You know, and Mike really Mike really uh, was impressed with Scaifey. Let's think...
1: just say that if two people on this podcast hadn't pushed and pushed, Scaifey would not have even been at that event.
0: Boy, no. we had to you really sell, sell his case.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, he showed well for himself. <laughs> yes, so. he
0: did. Yes, he did. All right. Well, so, Rob, maybe can Rob can unruin his life, get him in the Rivals 250 at least. Great job by Miami. They keep rolling along. They are currently number one in the team rankings. So... Hard to hey, argue about that. On, let's take a poll. Will Where will Miami finish in the team rankings?
1: I will be the homer here, and I say they hold on to it. I think they will be number one at the end of
0: wow. this. Wow. Holy cow. I don't know that? about that. My guess would be they'll finish top five. I have a hard time. I don't know if I should admit this. I get asked by fans all the time. I have no idea how to calculate the formula. So... I don't know. I have, a, I have a real tough time trying to figure out what's going to happen. They have 19 commits. We mentioned that star average, 3.89, which is currently number two. Uh, they got a sizable lead in the points, though. 300 points, almost 400 over Ohio State. So you make a good point. Alabama's been almost non-existent. Uh, we, we should probably write an article on that about, you know, are they going to start recruiting well or not? They're number 50 in the team rankings. Um, so I'm going to say no. Nick, what's your pick? You just think top five though. You have to give us a number. You can't just say five. No number one. Number
1: five, five. is fine. Uh,
2: I mean, a lot of it's going to come down to, you know, the talent, like we, what you were saying. How Florida kids want, or you know, South Florida kids especially want to go to Miami if they if they're given a reason to. I mean, it's the same reason a lot of kids in in my state want to go to Texas if Texas gives them, a, you know, gives them a reason to. So I mean, it's 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 going to come down largely to the level of talent in the area that. You know, that they're playing in and, and how well they can secure it. So, I mean, if they I, I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know well enough to project whether or not these kids are going to stick to their commitments or not. But I mean, I would say I would say the top three would be fine considering the level of talent that's available to them and and what they've what they've got going for them to this point.
0: Well, there you have it. Nick's his top three. So you say three, one, three, five. We'll see how that shakes out. I'm sure we'll remember. Yeah, I mean, all
2: three of those all three of those guesses by us are still very satisfactory, wouldn't you think? For, yeah,
1: what well, he's no, ruining their lives, by predicting. <laughs>
2: <Fine>. <laughs> I'm definitely ruining
0: people's lives on a daily basis. Um, all right, let's move on. I, I want to talk about this one quickly as the dentist is uh, bearing down on me. Jamar Chase, Rivals 250 wide receiver, went out to the opening, which switched TV partners this year, I believe was on the NFL Network, which, uh, you know, uh, c- sort of uh, unusual considering it's high school football, not the NFL. It's what really catches my eye about it yeah, it's Jamar Chase. He goes out there, he says, I'm committing July second. So I say good. I'm gonna be out of the country. What do I care? <laughs> I don't have to worry about writing I'll be, a story. I'll be yelling at Italian people. Right, exactly. I'll be I'll be uh, I'll be yelling at well, not really Italian people, but that's a whole other topic. Um He is down to L S U and TCU. He says, I'm announcing the second. Now he says, you know what, I'm gonna announce on the third because I want it to be on NFL Network. I want my tea, my family back home to see it. And lo and behold, they have one announcement. Jordan Adams picks North Carolina, which was a, you know, expected. His dad's on the coaching staff there. And then when our boy Jamar is supposed to get up, Greg Emerson decides, yeah, you know what? I'm going to announce. So NFL Network bumps him. Jamar Chase gets bumped off the broadcast. Emerson's announced his commitment, takes up the whole halftime. They have to go back, cover the second half of the game, which is, you know, it's not really – I don't know how to keep track of score in seven on seven, so I don't know how anyone watches it on TV and is like, I don't want to miss a play here. They could have still <laughs> easily had Chase do it. Nobody watches it on TV. First
1: of all, no right. fan. Like I, the other day, I saw drone racing on ESPN. What is the market to like? You know, I can't miss the uh, drone races. That that's gonna a, that's on on ESPN. Telling, you
0: know, we're gonna have a drone racing website here before long. But so anyway, what do you think the
1: ratings are opening versus
0: were, drone racing. Uh, better than the seven on seven i can tell you that much so so people were really mad including jamar jamar you know class act did not didn't did not really say anything but i tell you what friend of the show jimmy smith was all fired up uh he wrote a column about it on nola.com then i saw even even uh pro football talk uh, mike florio let him have it i mean it seemed like a lot of NFL people were taking shots at NFL Network for spoiling for ruining the kid's moment too. He ends up not committing now. I mean, imagine if you're a coach at TCU or LSU and you thought you were getting a commitment and now NFL Network messes it up by by blowing it. I mean, these kids are very sensitive about these announcements. For a lot of them, it's the biggest moment in their lives. So, I tend to agree with the criticism of NFL Network. You got to just put the kid on. I mean, you know, let him put on the hat and let him talk over the plays while they're running. I mean, it's not this is, you know, this is not the Super Bowl. Nobody's, you know, the only people that are watching, I guess, I guarantee you, Jamar Chase's family would increase the ratings uh, if, if they were all watching uh, for him to commit. So shame on you, NFL Network. Uh, you blew it. Now, now I have to write a commitment story when Jamar Chase commits on Friday, uh, which I believe is the projected uh, new date. Uh, I think I think I'm going to project him to go to TCU. I do not have that Uh, confirm that's just an educated guess on my part but he's one of these guys i think i'm going to take the rob route i think he commits to tcu i think he ends up signing with lsu before it's all said and done so anyway let's move on no tweet of the week this week uh, unless you guys have anything you guys got anything Nah,
1: i've been pretty i've been off of twitter for for a while uh not really paying much attention because it's become a madhouse of old people dissecting memes
2: (laughs) nick you got anything uh, I encourage people to look at my Twitter. I've been putting out a lot of really good tw- video <laughs> tweets here the past past week. <laughs> yeah, hot, hot content is coming out of uh, Nick's feed. So let's
0: jump right into Rants and Recommendations.
2: That's
0: good sound. Um, uh, <laughs> Let's let Rob start. Rob, you start uh, and go ahead and talk for a minute. And because uh, I, I would need to save the last five to 10 minutes for me, to, I got a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah,
1: we'll do this quick because I kind of touch on it, it seems every week. This is kind of my, uh, my baby. It's just <sighs> the example is you know, you can't joke with anybody about college football anymore, especially not on rivals.com message boards, certainly not on Twitter. There is like a crossover between college football fan Twitter and everything is so serious Twitter that is. Unstoppable. I, it, <laughs> I talked about this a little bit last week with the Missouri thing where I was joking about how underage drinking leads to being a serial killer. And half of the Missouri fans in the world told me how stupid I was and how crazy that is uh, when obviously I was joking, but college football fans don't understand jokes. Uh, this time it's the Texas fans <laughs> where I came on, made a joke about an old post, told them about a new offer that they had made uh, in Florida, and then was like, you know, hope to see you guys soon. Kansas City barbecue is the best. This led to at least four people in this thread reporting me to the Texas, like the, the writers at the Texas site and saying I should be fired uh, because I'm not taking my job serious enough of reporting new offers <laughs> and I'm trolling them based on barbecue. And it's like, dudes, it's an offer to a high school kid in Florida, a scholarship offer. It's a two sentence message board post. It's not a post concerning a missile crisis in, in a foreign country it's okay to laugh about football I, it, and barbecue and both of those things combined are not the most serious things in the world. It's not like I tweeted out a WWE meme with CNN's face on it or something insane like that. I just so it, it's more than a Texas fan issue though. It's as sports fans in general. And I think this is for a reason that we could break down in the, uh, the cultural prop podcast that we will one day do. I think the overlap between football and maybe it's because of the way it's covered and football fans being serious and the way football is covered is being serious all the time makes it lends itself more to football but man we as as football reporters and as football fans we need to just like learn how to not be serious about everything especially recruiting and maybe just maybe we'd stop uh calling each other names all day on the internet
0: yeah i mean i appreciate the uh obviously i i really appreciate the candor of the fans you know they uh <laughs> They they keep it interesting for us. Sure, but, but it's at the okay same time, to laugh.
1: You know, like that's right. <laughs> I yeah. appreciate them too, and they do. They're the reason we have jobs, and I understand that. But geez, man, it's sometimes not everything is the end of the world.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, we can we can laugh, we can joke around, and there are a lot of fans. I mean, the Auburn side is the king of the uh, of the one liner. They love making jokes over there. I think uh-huh. Tennessee's good too, to a certain extent. They they do all right as far as you know, laughing
1: about things and not taking everything so serious all the time. Right, exactly. So, good
0: rant by you, Nick. What do you got on the agenda?
2: Uh, well, you guys know it's summertime. Obviously, it's getting a little warmer out. We're all finding our ways to uh to lazy rivers and streams to tube and uh pools, things like that. (laughs) So So the so pools. And uh, my my first summer pool experience came over the weekend. Uh, went went out there. There's a there's a at the at the place that I live, there is a community pool. There's two actually, uh, but one of them in particular has one of those infinity walls. A nice view of the green belt, you know, lo- you know, very scenic, very nice. Kind of a smaller pool though, and uh, and it fills up quickly with a lot of the people that live here going out there to to hang out. So my my thing is is like, here's the deal: we're all out there having a good time. We're all out there to relax, enjoy ourselves. But uh, when somebody brings uh, a speaker, of for music and sets it down and forces their dubstep on everybody else at the pool uh you know I know I know it's kind of like a party atmosphere but you know we got we got to we got to slow our roll before forcing you know our personal tastes on everybody else without uh you know <laughs> without without kind of taking the the pulse of the rest of the the crowd there you know so you know I'm just saying like what kind of pool is it are we talking and this will this will lead me to be
1: outraged or not so outraged. Are we talking this is like a one of these like pool party pools where it's mainly like tw- between 20 and 30-year-old hard bodies out there jamming or is this like family pool where uh you know Joe and Jane Smith may bring their toddlers what kind of what are we talking about is the, is the scene here?
2: Well, it was I mean it was a mix and it's like I said the pool's not very big so like being on one end or the other you're still subjected to, you know, whatever it is that's blasting on the on the little speaker that the dude brought. So Um, you know, I'm just saying there were some people there trying to like sunbathe and read. And it's like, if I show up there and I'm trying to catch a tan and read a book, you know, and kind of, kind of relax a little bit. And some dude posts up right next to me in the chair and starts blasting dubstep, uh, you know, that's going to be, that's going to hinder my, uh, my comprehension of of the book that I'm reading. So well, and I'm saying, I was ta- you know I was saying like there, there's apartments that have like a nice view of the pool a nice view of the scene that I just described and I could I could just imagine like when you're moving into that place you're like oh man this is a great situation for me and then summer rolls around and then for and then for 12 hours a day you're listening to uh, you're listening to the Jersey Shore soundtrack de- uh, defense, while you're trying to-
1: <laughs> in defense of dubstep bro there are pools that beg for dubstep bros right like it, like you said it's all about taking the temperature of the pool if you're looking around and it's all you know. 20 some year olds i think it's cool to and nobody's reading you know whatever the paris wife or whatever the new hot novel is these days it's okay to to turn up the dubstep i think but no, you got to read the room you're right that's where that's the where gra- my the greater
2: the greater point is is like if you want to come and you want to sit by yourself and you want to listen to that music we all got headphones you know what i'm saying like you can listen to headphones and it's not going to bother anybody. But when you when you come and you're trying to have a conversation with your friends, and then some guy sits you know sits right next to you on the chair and starts blasting that music, and you know it's like, bro, I'm here to have a good time, and you're you know <laughs> killing my buzz. You know, if, what am I supposed to do about that? So no, I, just, a- I just I just. I went underwater for a long time. You're telling the wrong
0: person about frigging headphones because Rob Cassidy has never brought a pair of headphones to a media workroom in the five years I've known
1: him. always <laughs> <I laughs> yeah. forget them or lose them. That's true. That's, right. that's absolutely true. Yeah. I, so basically I'm when on I outside, the media workrooms, I
0: just put on my dubstep uh, as loud as I can. And right.
1: you know, that's, well, that's my writing music.
0: You're talking to a person who lives in Atlanta, so you know I get to hear plenty of music on speakerphone uh, and things of that nature on a regular basis, no matter where I am. So, I agree with Nick. Actually, you said earlier you thought we were going away. I thought we were talking about pool, like billiards, uh, when I saw it here on the uh, on the uh, spreadsheet. So, I'll we'll have to touch right. on that pool etiquette on another episode because I know uh, there's been some controversy over use of the bridge and. And things like
2: that. At least one foot on the ground, right?
1: I I, I don't even know anybody that uses the bridge. Like if I'm playing pool, I I can't remember the last time I saw somebody pull the bridge out. This is like the
0: only person in the world that would have a complaint about the bridge in in a pool game is Woody Womack. All right. So now it's my turn. So as some of you might remember, dating back to April, we had an episode where uh, I had gone to a bachelor party that was very poorly organized. Rob, being the bachelor party king, uh, chimed in on it. And, and you guys – what did you guys say to me after we recorded that? I believe uh, Nick right. – Nick I think I told Rob. you that they were going to hear it and be mad. Uh, well, I seem to remember you guys telling me, oh, that was it? I thought you were going to be more angry than that. Wasn't that uh, the general consensus among the two of you? Yes. Right, well, guess what? They were mad anyway, even though I held it back. Now, the question is, I think probably 25% of the people at the bachelor party listened to it and then it was a word of mouth situation. Um, so anyway, you know, needless to say, I I was fully prepared to really fire shots on the topic, uh, because I did hold back when we talked about it originally, and I was mad when I did have to Venmo the money for a place I didn't stay in, um, and I made a few references to that throughout the week. The wedding was great in Italy, by the way. I highly recommend, uh, somebody getting married there and me not paying for it. Uh, so on, but, were they actually upset, or was this more of a, a ribbing kind of thing? I couldn't tell if it was shtick or if they were mad. But I mean, the groom wasn't mad, which is, you know, all I care about. The the best man, uh, you know, <laughs> that's it. I was, surprisingly, didn't have an ending to his uh, best man speech. Um, you know, given his la- level of preparation for other things, but oh, I don't. I don't think the I don't think the bride and groom were mad about it. they didn't even know or care. I mean, the groom is obviously friends with me. I'm not friends with the best man. Uh so so I don't know. It was interesting though that that there was a backlash, especially when we didn't talk about anybody's, you know, by name or anything like that. So I was mad I was mad about that. Um so I'll leave it that where it is. Now, one of the main complaints I had before we left was about the gluten-free pretzels on Delta Airlines. Uh, Blair Angulo, friend of the show and our former coworker, <laughs> snapped timing me.
2: Timing.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah, timing is timing. Blair, who, Blair is probably our most loyal listener, along with uh, Corey Gibson. I would say those two. I guarantee you listen to every episode. Blair listens to it wire to wire. I think Corey does as well. Most of uh, other people check in and out. So big shout to them for 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 listening quite a bit. Not only on this flight back from Italy did I, was I given gluten free pretzels. I said, hey, can I get some of the almonds? And they said, "Oh, there's one person on the plane who has a peanut allergy, so we won't be serving almonds today." Now you're what? treading into some dangerous territory here. Number, no, peanut allergies don't exist. A, Google it. <laughs> we all know, you know. Ask Carl Blake about when he was allergic to wheat, and I fed him wheat secretly, on, and nothing you, happened. Hold on, wait a minute. Are you alleging that nobody is allergic to peanuts? Like, yes.
1: So, wouldn't That's these right. children, like? Their parents are just making this up to be overprotective. I'm asking because I seriously don't know. I'm not trying yeah, to. That's, really well, you,
0: you get about. it. You probably can't even give your – you probably can't even give your children a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to send them to school with under today's it's, conditions. I, I don't – yeah. See, I don't – I obviously don't understand the inner workings but I mean that's
1: uh, – are you saying that this is, is like a gluten thing like where it really doesn't exist?
0: Yes. I, hold on. Now I'm going to do some Googling. <laughs> this is peanut uh, allergy truthering, Womack. That's what this is. Yeah. Guess what? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the nut, nut, nut allergy is a yuppie invention from the LA Times. How about that? Oh, baby. Uh, why food allergy fakers need to stop. The Boston Globe. Well, I'm not saying there aren't people that do fake them, but to say that something doesn't exist seems pretty broad and, and generalizing. Well, momtastic. Your kids' fake food allergies are annoying and destructive. How about that? Yeah, they are destructive. Uh, I and agree. This the, one. airborne time peanut allergies... Are- right airborne peanut allergies on flights are a myth scientists claims so get, is is an almond a peanut also is that you know I'm telling I, you, I don't
1: know anything about peanut allergies well
0: anyway it's out of control what what next? we're we just gonna have to have bags of air't <laughs> <laughs> can have water I'm allergic to water so that's number one. number two you know I obviously visited a lot of tourist areas when I was in Italy but guess what? Every single place now in Italy, Rob, your motherland, has gluten-free pizza on the sign. Gluten-free options available. I've said a number of times that
1: the pizza that I had in Italy was nowhere near as good as even the mediocre pizza I've had in the United States. There is good (laughs) food
0: in Italy. I just don't think that the, the pizza over there is very good. Well, a friend of the show, Kevin Nicola, boy, it's Shout Out Central today, uh, who was one of the uh, people in question regarding the uh, controversy about the bachelor party. He said the same thing. He said, I saw an ad for Domino's. I can't wait to get back and have some Domino's pizza (laughs) because this pizza in Italy sucks. I I personally like the pizza in Italy. Rant number three. There's no pizza cutters in the entire country. You get a whole pizza, no, you get a twelve true. inch pizza, you gotta cut it with a fork and a knife. Yep. I mean, is it are they not available? Is it something that people are against? I always wondered when I have relatives from out of the country come here and they eat pizza with a fork and a knife and I tell them to eat it like a like a man. Now yeah. I know they're used to not getting cut pizza. They think that we're slobs for not eating it with a
1: fork and knife. If you're going over there and you're, you cut it into your, your typical triangle pizzas, then you fold it like I tend to do. They look at you like you're just jamming. And I can understand, I guess, from a cultural perspective, looking at us, the people, the pizza folders of the world, jamming it into their gullets like slobs. I mean, I guess if you don't know any better, it probably does look that way.
0: Yeah, so so you know, I don't I don't know what else you want me to complain about Italy. I you know, I actually I I really liked it. I th- I found it pretty clean, not a lot of uh graffiti, which uh can be seen in some of the other European countries I've been known to frequent, uh, Greece. Uh I'm talking to you. <laughs> uh I liked driving. I drove there. I did I had a great dry- great time driving. You know, there were no cops out on the on the roads. There were a lot of military people with AK-47s at the uh various tourist sites, which I found a little bit uh I don't know, ominous or whatever. But for the most part, Italy gets uh, two thumbs up. I would tell people, and Rob and I, you and I talked about this, you got to avoid going in the summer during the peak tourist season. Rob and I are both bad tourists. We're grumpy, we're grouchy, uh, and we don't like to wait in line. So, you know, that's on me, coach. I didn't realize that it was going to be like that.
2: So anyway, I like I like what you say. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to complain about Italy. I don't think Italy wants <laughs> to <must laughs> complain about it. And let me just tell you, there's got to be.
1: We could probably do a season of this podcast with he complains about Italy or he complains <laughs> about European culture.
0: Well, guess what? You know, uh, you're talking to a man who is a borderline European citizen, citizen of the European Union, uh, which we'll save that for uh, for another podcast. Um, so I have to cut him some slack. It was expensive though, you know. Like I said, if you're if you say I'm flipping a coin between Italy and Greece, obviously I'm biased. I would say go to Greece, and uh, your 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 euro will go a little bit farther there than it did in cities like uh, Rome. But I really enjoyed Florence. Wedding was terrific. Big shout to the uh, bride and groom, Zach and Jen, uh, who. Jen definitely doesn't listen to. Me. Jen doesn't listen to me when I talk in in person. She's done. She's already achieved the uh, elite status of tuning me out when I talk. Uh, much like the two of you uh, are great at doing. <laughs> so big
2: shout my, to my, her. My complaint about Italy. I went there when I was in seventh grade. Is is how is how many places made you pay to use the bathroom during the day? Did you oh, have to yeah. do that still?
0: Yeah, forget about that. Well. There are there you know, the the bathrooms let's just say I went to the bathroom in the streets multiple times uh wow. when I was there. So, you know, the Spanish steps, uh <laughs> they may uh <laughs> plug your nose as you're walking through <laughs> on your way to the Spanish steps because there's nowhere to go to the bathroom, flat out and there's a million tourists. I would have gladly paid, uh, but I couldn't even I couldn't even find uh I couldn't even find the pay bathrooms. So you know, I I agree with you on that one. So what do you say, boys? I think that wraps it up. I'm late for the dentist. Glad to be back. We're working on a few new exciting projects, uh, which we haven't even told Nick about. So uh, Rob and I are <laughs> Rob and I are scheming uh, very very heavily, trying to get some new things into work. So I'll be out next week a- watching the All Star game. So it'll be you two. All right. Thanks for listening. Big shout to M Deuce. Uh, he's having a great time on his vacation in Washington. Play us out, my men. Review the podcast on iTunes.